You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, happy Wednesday, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 10th, episode 3180, brought to you today by Kevin Equine. Good morning, Horse World. Ah, Wednesday, the day we cover Glenn's favorite topic. <laughs> Horse health. And Jamie makes you feel better about yourself with the latest weird news from around the world. Happy Wednesday. It's getting a little weird up in here today, Glenn, not going to (laughs) lie. The weird news is weirder than usual. Ooh, doggy. (laughs) Well, I'm going to let you tell everybody what we're talking about in horse health today because I looked at this and I just, I tuned out immediately because I couldn't even say the words. Polyacrylamide. Say that again. Polyacrylamide. Polyacrylamide. Let's go with that. Okay, we'll go with polyacrylamide hydrogel. I can say that. Uh, in the Daily Dose Horse Health, horse, I can't say that, Horse <laughs> Health segment, Scott McClure, veterinarian, discusses, say it again, Glenn. Polyacrylamide. Hydrogel. There you go. Also known as P-A-A-G. We'll go with that. We chat about the best breeds for different disciplines. And uh, Glenn's going to tell us about the five biggest ranches in Texas. And then, oh, we got some weird news. One I actually said to Glenn before the show, I go, this one might be a little too gross. But it's so funny. We have to do it. <laughs> Is it in Florida, that one? Uh, I don't think so. But because I think did... it was in Florida and it was that gross. It crosses the line. We can't yeah, do it. <laughs> I think that those two are like, if it's gross and in Florida, it cancels itself out. Yes. We can't use it. But like this one, I don't think it's in Florida. Okay. It's in California, I think. All right. Well, then it's California's fair game. So, <laughs> so uh, on Monday, badminton, the five-star event in England, the big one that we always talk about, ended. And I'll tell you what, uh, Roz Cantor. Did, did it. She won it again for her third time. So what happened is Austin O'Connor uh, had the fastest round in cross country. And if you remember, in cross country, it was bad. You, you know, you talked about it being so wet the other day. Only half the horse, less than half the horses finished cross country. So we had a smaller field going into stadium. Well, let me tell you what, stadium did not improve. In the morning show jumping, there wasn't one clear round. Poles fell, time faults racked up for a bunch of combinations. And then it was time for Austin O'Connor, who, get this, was had the best time in cross country. He was in 34th place after cross country, or at beginning of cross country, and was in second after cross country. Good God. From 34th to second going into show jumping. Now, Roz had about four rails in hand, so she pretty much could do whatever she wanted. Uh, and that's what happened. She ended up winning because she had four rails in hand going into cross country, Amazing. which never happens. I mean, that never happens. So, yeah, uh, Austin O'Connor, though, that was a big story. Ended up going from uh, from 34th after cross country to second. It reminds me of the movie Secretariat, where Secretariat is you know, a million links in the lead. And he says, Ronnie, don't fall off. (laughs) 
Ross, just don't fall off. You got this. Yeah. And it was really, she just did a great job and congratulations to her. She's cute as a button. And, uh, that shows you, you, you know, people always say dressage is going to win it, but now you got to finish the rest of it too. And, and this was a, you know, a celebrated cross country horse, Colorado blue. So I, I he, he made it, made that happen. It was amazing. Yeah, it was, it was very, it was a, it was quite an exciting weekend <laughs> over in England. Now, I did also read um, that people were st- basically, it rained so much and the fields were so boggy that people's cars were stuck. Oh, really? And it took, tractors were having to tow people out of the, the parking lot. One girl waited five hours to get out oh of the parking lot because they were in in queue for the tra- for the towing. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I mean, we've all been to shows where we've seen tractors tow people out, but when you have and that, but that's usually trucks and trailers. It's not usually a car in the no, in the cars. parking lot. <laughs> oh, can you imagine what a mess they made of that beautiful place? Oh, I saw a picture, and it is just it looks like a monster truck rally happened. Oh, there. We'll see if they hold that again next year. (laughs) We'll see if the people who run the household are wanting to fix that two years in a row. They've had a horrendous amount of rain. And I've been, we're going, of course, to Amsterdam and then uh, Norway the next couple of weeks. And I looked at the weather. It's going to be 50 degrees and raining every day, pretty much. That's what it looks like. So we're going from Florida. It's 93 here today. We had to dig out the coats. Yeah. Actually, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Let's do some daily winnies. Well, we have a bunch of auditor birthdays today. Want to wish a happy birthday to Rachel Briggs, Abby, Abby Basner, uh, Rosie. I haven't talked to Rosie in forever. Jordan Gray and Julie Hansen. Happy birthday to all of you. Rosie came down and visited the house uh, a couple of years ago. It's time for you to come back, Rosie. You're overdue. I would like to give my daily Winnie to, you know, you were asking me how the ducks were and I thought I've got to give the daily Winnie to my son who this morning, Chad and I were asleep and we woke up to somebody bringing ducks in our bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. Like, so we, we have, we, for those who didn't listen the other day, uh, I have a female duck who's been hoarding eggs and sitting on it and two babies hatched and she didn't care. She just wanted the, to sit on the eggs. She's been there for like ever. It's going to be horrible. So I didn't, I didn't think anything was going to hatch. And when it did, she just didn't even take care of them. So I picked them up and I brought them into the house and now they have imprinted on Lucas and I, anytime <laughs> you have baby ducks and you go to pick them up, they, they're wild. They're mallards. They run away. These guys are like, <laughs> like they run over to the side and when we put them back in, they try to jump out and come with us. It's crazy. So Lucas has been spending every morning getting up early before school to bond and play with his ducks. And he brought them into the bed this morning. Hey guys, good morning. And I'm like, Oh, your dad's going to kill you. And uh, Chad actually has been pretty cool. So a little shout out to him. I think, it, you know, his whole thing is he just likes to see Lucas and I having fun doing something together. That's not, you know, stressful <laughs> to me <laughs> get your shoes on uh so no this is like Eat a lovely something. little bonding stop eating oh. something okay 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of a nice little thing, but yeah, to be woken up with baby ducks in the bed this morning. Yay. <laughs> Did I also see you got some new horses in for training? Uh, yeah, I picked up one. So, um, I had a horse here named fall star and he was adopted and they left him here for another month of training. So fall star now known as Vonnegut because they're Kurt Vonnegut fans, uh, now known as Vonnegut is going to stay here. And so that kind of when I go back up to, to horse and hound to pick, I usually pick up two. Well, I only have space for one. So I brought home a horse name and they, they let him out. And I was like, Oh my God, this is a beautiful, like 16, one solid chestnut with some, I think he's got a soccer two and a star and a snit and just gorgeous and then i turned him out and watched him trot across the pasture and i was like oh god he's su- <laughs> super nice uh, i mean i so i started him yesterday and um he is What's his name his name is ready for it okay j cat west is a quarter horse no, it's a thoroughbred. <laughs> I'm like, uh, what? He's four years old. He's a giant four-year-old, though. He's really big. And he only raced, let's see, uh, seven times. And he actually won one. But his total earnings for seven races, $35,000, which, you know, honestly, for Oklahoma, that's not too shabby, I guess. <laughs> Live on that for a year in Oklahoma. <laughs> I know, right? So, so anyway, so he's here and he's he's pretty nice. Seems very, very sweet. And what was funny is I, you know, he jumped right in the trailer, no problem. And I use a a step up. It's a four horse, but I've taken panels out, so now it's a two horse. And so a two horse like box stall. So I've got the horse in there, and so he's very easily can just turn around and walk out and. I learned that you don't want to, you know, don't rush him out of the trailer. So I let him just stand there and I stood outside the trailer holding the lead rope and I'm just talking to him. And he stood there and he stood there looking around, looking around, stood there, stood there. Glenn, I stood there for 20 minutes and he never got out. (laughs) Welcome to Jennifer's world every time she unloads Nigel. He just wanted, but he would. I mean, I turned him around. And all he has to do is step down. Yeah, he was like, that's all. Down. Nigel's facing out, and he'll just stand there and stand there and st- every time. And I am patient. <laughs> I am very patient. But I was like, all right, <laughs> that's enough. So I actually backed him up, turned him around, and he backed right out. Uh He's not used to going out frontwards. (laughs) (laughs) This is how you get out of a trailer, you dummy. What were you doing? Turning (laughs) me around the wrong way. But anyway, it's so funny to like, like see their little personalities like pop out. Like, no, this, them is not the rule. You're doing it wrong way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he was telling me. So anyway, J Cal West is here. He's available for adoption. You can look at him. Uh, He's beautiful on my Facebook page. Fly over flyover farm, JB Jennings. Certified Monty Roberts instructor. That's a Facebook page. Got it. I'll post a picture of him in our show notes, too. He is very cute. Well, let's take a break for Kevin Equine, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to play a little guessing game with all of you. Uh, Jamie's going to play along of the 20 best horse breeds for competitive riders for certain disciplines, and we're going to see if you can guess what those breeds are. Uh, And they're not all warm blood, but most of them are. (laughs) 
We've had no shortage of stress this past year, and a lot of our attention has been focused on maintaining our health and immunity. Stress and illness can actually form a vicious cycle in humans and also in horses. Elevated cortisol levels caused by stressors like extreme weather, disease, diet changes, travel and trailering can throw your horse's health and immune function out of whack. But did you know you can help reduce the negative impacts of stress by feeding your horse chromium every day? By lowering the levels of the stress hormone cortisol and optimizing overall energy use, feeding chromium results in improved body upkeep, health and immunity, performance, and overall well-being. To ensure you're supporting your horse, don't feed just any chromium. Feed your horse the only FDA-reviewed source of chromium propanate on the market today, ChemTrace Chromium from Chemin Equine. Ask for it by name and stress less. Learn more about Chemtrace Chromium at Kemen.com slash Chromium EQ. That's Kemen, K-E-M-I-N dot com slash Chromium EQ. All right, Jamie, I found this list on farmhousetack.com, which has an excellent blog. The writers over there are pretty good. I've been reading a lot of their blog. They do a lot of lists, so it's right up my alley. So what she did is she put together what she figures is the best breeds for certain disciplines. So like hunter-jumper, dressage, eventing, things like that. She divided it into two categories, popular horse breeds for beginners in these disciplines, and then uh, the popular horse breeds for serious competitors in those disciplines. So if you're starting out as a hunter-jumper and you're a beginner, what breeds would you guess would be most popular if you're just a beginner starting out in hunter-jumping? As a beginner starting out in hunter jumper, I think that the most appropriate mount for you would be a three-year-old Arabian. (laughs) No, that wasn't on the list. That didn't hit. No, that wasn't there. Because they grow grow together. (laughs) It was not there. Any other guesses? (laughs) Um, Percheron wasn't on the list either if you're going to go there next. (laughs) uh, So if I was going to say something really appropriate for a beginner hunter rider would be (sighs) hunters are really particular about the type of horses that you use and they're very persnickety. So again, beginner rider, three-year-old Appaloosa. Done. Appaloosa is not on the list, but Quarter Horse is. (laughs) Quarter Horse was on the list. Um, Welsh is on the list. I guess as beginner, you know, Pony. Basically. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about yeah. snotty ponies. Yeah, yeah duh. Yeah. Thoroughbreds on the list. And I, yeah, there've been a lot of people that I have. I thought I was supposed to guess one per thing, and I was going to make it funny. And you're being all like, <laughs> "Here's the real thing, you nerd." <laughs> and then warm blood, surprisingly, is on the list because <laughs> it's on every list. Um, dressage, okay, beginner dressage. What do you picture? Clydesdale. <laughs> Not on the list. <laughs> Although our Percheron, when we had our Percheron, used to we used to take that Percheron with students to dress, to dressage shows for walk trot class. He used to win everything. He got the blue ribbon all the time, and he was like eighteen their hands, neck is like already arched in that <laughs> yeah, form. Yeah, exactly. And I think the judge went, "You could ride that in here and do anything that looks like a dressage test. You just get the win." <laughs> yeah, I mean, who's going to excel in dressage? Warm bloods. I mean, I took, Warm bloods I took on the list. <laughs> my Mustang to dressage, and I thought he was the most beautiful thing there. So. It's, it's interesting because you said Appaloosa for the jumpers. Appaloosa is on the list for beginner dressage. Uh, Lusitano's on the list, although I don't know many beginners that are riding Lusitano's in dressage. Just your dream first horse. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and Oldenburg is on the list, which I think it generally counts in the warm blood category. All right. Now, eventing. We'll see if you agree with any of this at all. So this are beginner eventers. You're going to... 
I think this list went a little overboard on a couple of these. So beginner eventers, I mean, my first event horse was a thoroughbred. It's on the list. Yes, I think beginning Mm -hmm. event uh, horse, thoroughbred, definitely up there. And in my first event, which is why I fell in love with the sport, my thoroughbred and I were beaten soundly by a Norwegian fjord. (laughs) No, that's not on the list. Were you really? Yes. And I'd spent so the many years. The fjord didn't as a die hunters. on cross country. <laughs> I spent so many years as a hunter, and I was like, I can get beat by that. I'm in. This is my new sport. <laughs> by a mini draft. <laughs> uh, Tricaner's on the list. I don't know many eventers starting with a tricaner, to be honest. Um, quarter horses on the like list. It can be a little spicy to start with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is beginner riders. Beginner riders. Quarter horses These on are the list. Ill-advised <laughs> clients of trainers. Irish sport horses on the list, and American paint horse is on the list. I, you Most know, of those are good choices. Tricaner, I would not go for a beginner no. eventer, but whatever. Unless you have a lot of money, you're not going to be doing that anyway, right? So, um, yeah. So then they go to pros. They could, could, could go to competitive riders. And I won't even have you guess these. Well, you can guess these. So Hunter Jumpers, Westphalian, Holsteiner, and Warmblood. Big surprise Ours there. are Warmbloods. Uh, yeah, this is Belgian Warmblood they have on the list. <clears throat> but you're right. They're all Warmbloods, aren't they? Um Dressage, Oldenburg, Hanoverian, and Dutch Warmblood. Yeah, sounds about right. That sounds like Reese Reese Koffler Stanfield's barn. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. That's true. You're right. She's hosted the Dressage Radio Show and eventing. I don't know if you're going to agree with this list. The thoroughbreds um, not even on the list. They uh, like about eighty five percent thoroughbreds now mixed with Warmblood. So that's probably you know they've got some Oldenburg. Uh, who else has close Tricaner? Tricaner is part most thoroughbred and Arabian stuff in there, I think. Cell Francais, yep, and Irish Sport Horse. We're seeing a lot more Irish Sport Horses than people love the Irish Horses, always have, yeah, yeah, seeing a lot more of those. Of course, they're great, you know, we see a lot of Irish Horses for driving too. Well, there you go, there's the list. I'm not necessarily buying all of the beginner (laughs) selections here, or maybe Um, they had the poor people and the rich people selections for beginners. Let's see. I would say that a if you're going to head out for an endurance race for the first time, obviously a Shetland pony is the way to go. I mean, follow me for more tips. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Just come to Jamie. <laughs> and if you're starting out inventing, an Arabian's the way to go. It's perfect. It'll get you started. All right, let's uh, talk about Stateline Tech. Stateline Tech is still one of our terrific sponsors and has been for a very long time. Right now, if you go to statelinetech.com and click on the big banner at the top of the page, you can find all kinds of things to buy for Mother's Day. Is that this weekend, by the way? Uh, Yes, it's Sunday. And I'm going to check through this, and I'm going to put some things in my shopping cart. All right, so you're a mom. Which one of these... What, how many pages of stuff is it? There's six pages, like hundreds of items. Which one of these do you want on your mom's list? I like to, I'm a boot hound. So if you can give me any kind of boots, Ariat boots, tall boots, Dublin boots, um, any of those boots, I really like them. I do love the stretchy, really lightweight riding pants with cell phone pockets. Made Babes is my favorite, but they don't have them on here. Uh, and then we've also got... I do need a nice new helmet. Have you pretty, had a pretty pa- much horse people? Well, ah, take it all. I see carrots, uh, lady stretch denims in here, jeans, and everybody's coming out with riding jeans now. Do you wear any riding jeans with the patches? Um, I, 
I used to wear the the riding jeans, but what happened is um, I got older and the riding jeans stayed super low cut. And so you bend over and you see your butt when oh. you pick a well, hoof. You're in Oklahoma. That's appropriate. <laughs> You'll fit right in out there. <laughs> so I do love the, the you know, we used to do, uh, I still wear my riding jeans from Desiree. I'm blanking uh, the smooth strides. So I do still wear Well, they were a little higher cut, weren't they? Yes, yeah. they were. Like for Thank normal people? <laughs> like for women that have, I don't know, had children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey. these little, they've got some horsewear silicone riding tights. Ah, oh, I do like those. And does Ariad, Ariad makes every style and color of shoe in the rainbow. And they have plenty here. Oh my gosh. There's so many different Ariad boots and shoes. Sun shirts are always a good option as well. Yeah, right now, especially. With the summer coming on, it's and you, there. That's another thing. Years ago, we, we you know, we, I think Ariat or no, it was uh, Carrots had the first sun shirts, and now everybody has sun shirts. But you couldn't find those, but for one company years ago, mm-hmm. it would come a long way in technology as far as uh, riding wear is concerned. But they also have purses and handbags and and all kinds of things. Head on, you got to get your order in quick though if you're going to get it by Sunday. Uh, do that. Stateline Tech. Dot com. Gift card. Gift card. Always is the is a good option. Especially hey, so if you don't know what size mom is. <laughs> exactly. Yesterday I was at the um, vet's office because my vet and my farrier wanted to meet and consult with some angles on Ace, my thoroughbred. And so they're meeting and and uh, for the first time. And I consider my vet a team member and my farrier a team member. And so I was like, the whole team is meeting. This is so cool. And so after he left... Uh, because if you guys remember, I used to have a female farrier and, uh, she was awesome, but then she had a baby and decided she didn't want to be a farrier anymore and do another thing. So I found this guy and he's awesome. I love this dude. He is fantastic. And so, um, the, my, my vet, I said, so after he left, I was like, so what do you think? How did he do? How do you, he goes, he's a good kid. He's a good kid. And I was like, he's 30. When did 30 year olds start seeming like kids? And she was like, cause they invented, she goes, do you remember when we were young and they came out with SPF eight and we were like, Oh wow. SPF eight. It's basically a tanning oil. She was like, everybody looks young now cause they have real sunscreen. And I was maybe thinking that with the sun shirts and all that. I'm like, God, you're right. We really miss a boat on all that. I wonder how many I, we need to do a poll in the auditor room of how many horsewomen religiously apply sunscreen in the summertime. Oh, I bet you it's a lot less than you think. I well, well, I know that's what I'm saying. As I, when I was younger, there was I never put on sunscreen at all. But do you think the just, younger people are putting on sunscreen now, or they're God, the same I as hope you were? So, if you can listen to any advice, if you want to not look like a leather handbag when you're in your 30s, please put on sunscreen more than SPF eight. But yeah, no, I mean I can't go outside without it now. All right, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask because I'm curious. I think it's less than we think. If they're honest, that's a great question. I want honesty. I'm saying I need your age. And your SPF, no, <laughs> your age, and if you put it on religiously, I guarantee you, the older we are, the more religious we are, because younger people think nothing can hurt them. I mean, I was like, you know, I'm not great at it, and I live in Florida. Well, then that's really stupid. You've had cancer before. You need, like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Jennifer was like uh, packing sunscreen for Norway, and I said, yeah, I don't think we're going to need that too much next week. You will, because of the ultraviolet rays. Okay. Because <laughs> we're close to the top of the world. And and then all the, the bad stuff gets through the clouds. Okay. All right. 
In the rain. Gets through the rain, too. (laughs) (laughs) Into my cabin. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Into the dining room where I'm going to spend most of my time. (laughs) Into the blackjack table. Yes, it's reflective. (laughs) Let's go to our guest. Our next guest is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine Non-GMO Core Nutrition for Horses and Ponies of All Ages. We have Scott LaCourt coming up. He's going to talk about that word, which I tried to say earlier in the show. It's going to be very interesting. The initials are P-A-A-G. Dr. McClure is going to talk about polyacrylamide hydrogel, acrylamide hydrogel. Jennifer, you know we'll find Jennifer out. does this to mess with us. <laughs> I know. Please welcome to the show Dr. McClure of the Midwest Equine Hospital, and you're in Iowa. Thanks for joining us, Scott. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, we are going to talk about polyacrylamide hydrogel, which is also known as PAAG. Do you say PAAG or do you say PAG? Uh, we just typically say polyacrylamide. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> All right. Well, tell everybody what this what this is because it's a really kind of cool newer kind of deal. So it's it's newer, but it's not. So polyacrylamides are materials that are made by cross-linking acrylamide monomers and they can be made in a ton of different fashions. Uh, There's polyacrylamide hydrogels in diapers. There's polyacrylamide hydrogel contact lenses. um, And then there's obviously the polyacrylamides, the polyacrylamide made for intraarticular use. Um, So they're very inert um, materials uh, that basically don't react in general with the body and can be used for, like I said, a number, a number of things. Polyacrylamide so, hydrogels have been used, they've been used in humans uh, in kind of the Soviet or Russian region. I'm not sure what the correct terminology now is, but uh, for arthritis for a, for a number of years. Do they, is it something that the patients would have injected the humans or is it like something you could take a pill? Would it- well, so it's, it's, no, it's, it's going to be an injection. It, it's a material that when we're talking about for intraarticular use, it, it, it is injected into the joint. Okay. Gotcha. So in our horses, focusing on them, you would inject it into just any joints that typically get injections like hocks, fetlocks, stifles, things like that. Uh, well, I think in general, we would, we would look more for certain things more specifically. Um, that when when we know that there's there's an issue with articular cartilage surface is probably going to be the most or the best application for the Noltrex because it is we know that when we inject it into the joint it will adhere to the surface of some damaged cartilage and the our goal with articular cartilage is for it to be slick and mm-hmm. smooth so that when the joint bends you know there's no friction and or you can't have no friction but you have minimal friction and so our objective then with the polyacrylamide uh is to lubricate the surface of the joint right now how long how how is this kind of like i'm familiar with like legend injections and all that and you'd have to you know redo it every six months a year does this have a benefit of lasting a lot longer yeah it seems like it's almost a plastic or something 
Well, it is a polyacrylamide hydrogel. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm not meaning to sound. It is, you know, it, looking along the lines of a plastic or something. Yeah, I mean that that would that is kind of a, probably the way a lot of people can visualize it. So, hyaluronic acid, like legend, is a visco supplement. So it means we're supplying the body with a viscoelastic material, which basically then holds water in the joint and helps lubricate the joint. Okay? okay. So that's what the hyaluronic acid is doing. The hyaluronic acid is what mother nature makes. So in your joint, you have hyaluronic acid that your synovial membrane is putting in there. And, uh, but along with that mother nature has a complete cycle. So you have hyaluronic acid and you also have enzymes like hyaluronidase that break it down. And in cases where you have an inflamed or arthritic joint, you're going to have a lot of those metalloproteinases, those enzymes that break it down. So it doesn't stay very long. And we know that if I inject hyaluronic acid into a joint, the literature dating a number of years back suggested it has a half-life of approximately 96 hours. So after four days, half of what you put in is gone, and then another half is gone in another four days. So it's fairly short-lived in the joint. Mm -hmm. It does do other things. There's anti-inflammatory benefits. There's some positive feedback mechanisms. But it has a relatively short half-life in the joint. The benefit of the Noltrex is that it has a much longer half-life, weeks, months, you know, we, the, the yet to be determined, but it is extended. It has a very extended period of a half-life. That's awesome. So it lasts a lot longer. Is it more expensive? Well, definitely it's more expensive. Uh, you're, um, you know, you, it gets difficult comparing HA to, to Noltrex because there's different HAs. There's different, some people inject them with other things. I mean, an actual dollar to, you know, one-to-one comparison in generalities is hard to make, but yeah, it is more expensive. But it lasts but longer. It, so. it will It will last several months. Okay, gotcha. Now, um, if you see a lame horse who you think about, uh, wh- wh- what constitutes a good candidate for the Noltrex? So the, the good candidate for the Noltrex was from what has been identified would be the horses with some early cartilage damage. So work that was done, um, a group effort through the um, nucleus uh, that has the Noltrex, uh, researchers at Cornell, Dr. Bonasser's lab, and myself to some degree, they identified that the Noltrex attaches to the surface of damaged cartilage. So we've, we've been able to put labeled material in there and look at it, and it it focuses or it concentrates where the cartilage is rough or damaged on the surface. The other thing it does is it decreases the coefficient of friction. So it attaches to the surface and makes it slicker. So there's obvious short-term benefit of, of kind of a patch over the top, but then probably the more long-term benefit is related to protecting that cartilage for a while, it gives it some opportunity to heal, which is would be areas where it's probably being evaluated more now. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, this is great information and something to definitely think about when you're having some issues with your vet is like to try to research the best. I mean, that's all we all want to do is just find the best thing to help our horses. So you wrote an article on the horse.com and it is how to use P-A-A-G-S as joint therapy for horses. You can find that at thehorse.com. We're going to put a link to that in our show notes. And uh, Dr. McClure, I know you're at work right now and we'll let you get back to it because when we called you, we heard lots of barking dogs and (laughs) people coming and going. So (laughs) thanks for taking the time. Yep. I work on horses and the clients bring the dogs. So, okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Dr. McClure. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Well, that's some heavy. Uh, that's some heavy science weenie stuff there. Oh my gosh! I I, I usually make notes when I'm uh, reading, listening, and all I wrote was science. <laughs> <laughs> like this is some. I might science. have to listen back to that one again. Uh, it's just. And so, I try to ask stupid questions, but I don't know. I sometimes I think I your have questions were questions. excellent, actually, because they uh, they just related to everything. I was going, okay, well, that should be the next question. Then you asked it. So uh, uh, when you get into the joint stuff, it is complicated. I mean, it it does get complicated. But I think I, I, I think I got the gist of it. Well, I, I, you know, I worked for a lameness veterinarian, so I know probably a little more of the terms than the regular layman, like intraarticular and all yeah. the surfaces and all the, you know, like, so, so I can visualize very well because we saw so many dissected limbs and like, and it's very sciencey. Um, and this, this Noltrex thing is kind of just interesting that this is more for cartilage damage versus inflammatory cells in the joint and i would have kept asking questions but he seemed like he didn't want me to ask any more dumb questions <laughs> like, like it's like talking to somebody like that you just realize their brain is so much bigger and they studied this for so long because he did this whole presentation on the noltrex uh at aaep so he talks to vets about yes. this stuff <laughs> he was trying That's... to i could tell he was trying real hard to dumb it down for us but The one thing I did get, and I don't mean a bad pun out of this, is uh, I did – what stuck with me is how sticky it was, how they were able to prove that it's sticky. I know. Well, don't use the word plasticky. <laughs> no, no, I think that was a bad word to use. Well, we I learned. I was trying to visualize it. Like, so, so anyway, another thing that made me think of, too, was how many uh, – for women – Hyaluronic acid is being touted as like the anti-aging thing. Oh yeah, and hyaluronic uh, facial serums and all this, and it, it brings down inflammation and all this. And I, and I'm like, wait a second, it's basically intraarticular, so it means it goes in the joint. Yet I googled hyaluronic acid pills, and there's a ten billion of these so uh, my next question would have been like did the pills work but i didn't i didn't feel like saying that to him <laughs> he would have punched me through the phone <laughs> well let's see i know something that doesn't work and that's daily dose coin like hear- i said he talks to vets about this stuff not like radio yeah. hosts so yeah, yeah. bless his heart for even coming on <laughs> i kind of got the gist though i did kind of get the gist okay good um all right uh to go talk to your own vet about it uh, that, that would be that would be our our answer to that. She's used to, she's used to me asking dumb questions. Let's hear about daily dose equine. Then I'm going to talk about big ranches in Texas, and I also have a good news story before an amazing news story before you get to weird news. Okay. Okay. I'm here with the mad scientist who developed daily dose equine horse feeds, Janet Geyer, and I wanted to have a quick chat with you because. 
Daily dose equine horse feed are non-GMO whole food nutrition based. And a lot of people go, oh, that comes from a small dedicated feed mill. I won't be able to get that when I travel. They're wrong, aren't they? They are. You can get it through Chewy anywhere in the United States. Or if you live locally in Maryland and Northern Virginia, you can get it delivered. There you go. Chewy.com. It will deliver it anywhere you want. You can also schedule delivery in advance so you can have it delivered every X number of days. And you can go in there to your account and change it every time you move horse show venues. So check it out today. DailyDoseEquine.com online or Chewy.com. Train with top hunter, jumper, and eventing professionals anytime, anywhere with Practical Horsemen On Demand. Your membership gives you access to hundreds of how-to training videos taught by top-level hunter, jumper, equitation, and eventing pros, exclusive interviews and lectures, slow-motion demonstrations, insider access to private clinics and lessons, and step-by-step tutorials. New content is always being rolled out, so there are always new videos available on the topics important to you. Join now for just $24.99 a month and take your training to the next level with Practical Horsemen On Demand. Well, HorseyHooves.com, who we haven't had on in a long time, they had a list out that I, I found interesting, especially with the Yellowstone right now and all the talk of Taylor Sheridan lists. and all great, that stuff. Great you know, list. Taylor, Taylor Sheridan running his farm at her, his big ranch out and making t- t- zillions of dollars off of Yellowstone. And, okay. uh, but they had this uh, list of the top biggest ranches in Texas. And I'm going to do the top five. So the Hughes Ranch is 390,000 acres. By the way, do you remember how many times I've been in trouble on this show for asking Western people how many acres they have? Yeah. I've got some, because on the English side, we ask that all the time because you want to get an idea of the scope of the property. Then I learned when you ask a Western person that they're highly insulted. So I don't ask that anymore. And also, so the, I also learned that you're not supposed to ask how many head of cattle somebody has. Is that another one? Yeah. Because if you only have a couple hundred, it's bad. and you. No, because you if you have like 10,000, they'd be like freaking rich. Uh, you know, like, okay. like, I don't know. It's kind of like it's just a rude that's like asking somebody how much money you make, how many acres you well, have. Uh, but they also say that the biggest hat means you have the least amount of cows. <laughs> The bigger the hat, the less cows. <laughs> Do you know, everybody, Jamie and I have gotten in trouble so many times over these years for asking questions that we had no idea how bad they were. Maybe like asking a veterinarian if yes. they're ingesting plastic. something plastic-like. <laughs> Hughes Ranch, 390,000 acres. He's an oil and gas tycoon named Dan Hughes, founded the Hughes Ranch. His son, Dan Jr., serves as the state commissioner as well as the chairman of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission. Well, good. He owns half the state. Uh, most of the Hughes Ranch is reserved for private use by the Hughes family. However, the ranch does sell cattle and hunting leases, but don't ask him how many. We've all heard of the Wagner Ranch, three hundred or 535,000 acres. That's just, you can't even think that. What's the square <laughs> mileage on that? <laughs> you can look that up. Uh, the Wagner Ranch, also known as W.T. Wagner Ranch, is the largest ranch under one fence in Texas. Oh, my God. You imagine you have to check your fence all the time at your little property. How many acres do you have again? We're allowed to ask. It's English. Uh, um, I don't want to 20? talk about it because it <laughs> seems rude. Uh, no, I have 20 acres. So imagine checking your fence only. This is one fence for 550,000 acres. Okay, so 550,000 hmm. is <laughs> 8.5 
859 miles. <laughs> Square miles. <laughs> the Wagner Ranch remains a thriving cattle and oil operation with a large recreation area as well. It hosts it. Uh, the, the whole thing is recreational. <laughs> it's just a giant freaking field. The ranch farms about 25,000 acres of land uh, to graze cattle and grow crops. 25,000 acres to grow crops. Oh, my God. Oh, by the way, they also uh, are really big into breeding quarter horses. Uh, And they also breed uh, the bloodlines of the renowned Paco Bueno. So if you know anything about Paco Bueno. Um, There are 25,000 acres that they farm. That's peanuts. It's only 39 (laughs) square miles of farmland. (laughs) O'Connor Family Ranches is number three at 587,000 acres. For 200 years, the O'Connor Family Ranches have been a staple in the ranching industry, I guess so. When Irish farmer Thomas O'Connor arrived in Texas and he was broke. However, after the Mexican government granted him 4,000 acres, he received a part dowry of cattle and horses. And that has now become 500. Would he marry somebody? Like, how do you get a dowry (laughs) of cattle and horses? 587,000 acres. That's a long growth from 4,000. That's 917 square miles. Briscoe Ranches, 640,000 acres. The Briscoe Ranches began in 1910 with Dolph Briscoe Sr. established the Briscoe Ranch near Alvati, Alvati, Texas. And he stayed there, hung around because, you know, he had some acres. And the incredible 640,000 acres of land, he has over 15,000 cattle. Somebody asked him. Uh, Would you it, like to know how how many uh, miles 640,000 acres yes, is? Yeah. It's a magical number because it is exactly 1,000 square miles. <laughs> <laughs> One thousand. Like, think about driving a thousand miles. <laughs> that's that's. Well, we normally will only go uh, what four or five hundred miles in a day. So that's two or three days drive just to get around the property. So if a square mile is a thousand, like uh, a thousand square miles, how long to drive straight through the middle of it? Is it like a radius diameter kind of thing? Is it like a five hundred? I need my math guy. Hey, Chad, <laughs> need you do some math? Yeah, how how long would it take to fly over it? Uh, King Ranch, of course, is number one. We all could guess that. Now that's eight hundred and twenty-five thousand acres. It's the largest ranch in Texas and in all of the United States. Known as the birthplace of American ranching, King Ranch is a national national historic landmark. With over eight hundred twenty-five thousand acres of land, it's larger than the state of Rhode Island. It spans, I can, you don't need to calculate it. It spans 1,300 square miles of land consisting of four tracks that span six counties. Uh, so, so which, oh which law, how many, when you have to do something, which, per, how do you figure out which county your land's in to do the permit? Um, so there you go. Primary focus is cattle ranching and horse breeding, with operations also in farming, hunting, hardware, luxury retail goods, drug running, and... No, I added that at the end. Of the uh, I was like, kidnapping? <laughs> <laughs> well, I figure 620, or 825,000 acres, they don't know who's going across their property. They have so, no idea. I, I think that I was feeling like I was stupid because I couldn't, like, if you draw square mile of a thousand miles so that's a thousand miles and i was like if you drive through the middle of it does that make it 500 and so i asked my husband who's a math major and i popped up real quick what is that and he's like i don't know so i don't feel stupid (laughs) he could tell you how long it takes him to fly over it (laughs) yeah how long does he to fly over a thousand square miles 
He'll say it depends on the speed. You watch. That's what he's going to say because he's a pilot. <laughs> oh, I'm getting a math answer right now. Each side <laughs> of a square mile is this is sorry. I'm sorry I asked. Thank you for trying. He seems very frustrated. <laughs> yeah, everybody's frustrated with us today. <laughs> Basically, uh, nobody likes our stupidity. That's what we need to go back to. to bed or not talk to anybody else for the rest of the day besides each other because I think we're entertaining. <laughs> I got to tell you a good news story before we get to weird news. It's never good when you ask somebody a question and they start with, oh. <laughs> That's been our whole day. I've been hearing that all day. <laughs> My, he's yelling, your question doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. Let, let it go. It doesn't make I'm sense. Sorry. We're in an airplane. We're flying a thousand miles. How long does yeah. that take? How long does it take? I don't it get it. It can't be that hard. <laughs> And we shouldn't talk to it because you asked your wife a question earlier and she started with, ah. <laughs> Jennifer, we can't have guests anymore. We're apparently too stupid for our guests. So. <laughs> Vicky well, our Roy spouses, Cr- so you're in trouble too. Vicky, this is a bad news story and a good news story all wrapped up into one. So Vicky Roycroft, do you know that name? She was a three-time Olympian from Australia. She actually started out in 84 in Los Angeles in the eventing and then switched to show jumping after that. Did two more Olympics after that. Well, she's 70 years old and still competing in show jumping down there in Australia, like all the time, like a serious competitor. And she went to the Sydney Royal Easter Show in April. And while she was getting ready to go, just warming up for show jumping, doing some jumps in the warm-up arena, she had a massive heart attack. Oh my god. While on her horse. Well, apparently the horse sensed something and slowed down and stopped and just stood there. Uh until res- until people got over and got her off the horse. Luckily, there was a Mark Shembry there who was a physician. And they knew he was a doctor, so they called him over and he was able to resuscitate her. She was dead for 11 minutes. And he gave her CPR. The the ambulance got there. They took her to the hospital, and they resuscitated her thanks to him being there. If he hadn't been there, she wouldn't be here anymore. Uh, She had an eight-hour operation where they discovered she ruptured an aorta. Oh, my gosh. And he managed to still save her. And, of course, the aorta is kind of important. When you hear about horses having heart attacks, this is a lot of time what happens. Um, And, you know, that's the main one for pumping heart or blood into your heart and out of your heart. Uh, So the— other part of this story is when Dr. Shembri was in his early 20s, he met Roy Croft for the first time, and he was infatuated with her because she was this big-name inventor. It's like meeting, you know, a big-name inventor now at a show. And he said it was unbelievable all these years later to have a chance to save her life. Um, so she sa- she apparently was in serious condition in the hospital for a while, but now she's been released and returned home. And it's all thanks to this Dr. Shembury, who, who was somebody she had met, uh, you know, years ago. It's and a crazy story. Yeah, yeah, it just is an amazing story. Now, she did say, take this for what it's worth, she said, I was dead for 11 minutes and I didn't see any light. That was her quote. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> I know what it means, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Take that for what you want to believe in it. Uh, so, yeah. So that was just a neat story. She's still here because there was a doctor on the scene. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been. Let's do some weird news. I feel like I feel like this whole show has been weird news. <laughs> You're embarrassed to be part of the human race. In Jamie's Weird News. Can we just call it a weird show? <laughs> a weird show. Um, you were looking for a new name of your new food show I got out, vacation so. next week. I'm getting punchy anyway. So then to have a show like this today. <laughs> I 
What's Friday going to bring? The thing is, we interviewed, like, we our guest was a very well-respected uh, yeah. doctor. And he was very smart. <laughs> it's just us. And he was very polite to me. Yep. For, anyway. It's us that's the you know problem. What? We get it. <laughs> no, we know we're the problem. My husband's still back there yelling about square miles. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to all of these right. wonderful folks. Well, okay, let me ask you a question. Will these stories make us feel better about ourselves? Because we need some help with our self-esteem today. Cause... It's just perfect for okay, today. Good. I'm going to tell you something. One of these stories, oh, dear. oh yeah, all these stories are weird. Uh, so if you are reading the news and you see a story and you're like, wow, that's super weird, send it to me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com with weird news in the subject line, just like these people did. Laureen, April, Laurie, Stephanie, Monica, Clark, Sandy, Glenn, Allison, Aaron, Jamo, and Amanda. That's right. Wow, quite a list. Now, of all of you, most of you sent me one of two stories. <laughs> so we're going to start out with Pasta Gate. That's right. Pasta. Imagine going for a leisurely hike and stumbling upon mounds of pasta in the woods, in the woods. This is in New Jersey. And, uh, of course it is. Is it's like <laughs> is it 20, outside <laughs> 25 feet of giant mounds of pasta are in the woods. Cooked pasta and or raw pasta? So it's cooked pasta. Oh, and, and, and basically, um, there's just all this pasta, like, I mean, every kind of pasta. There's the spaghetti ones. There's the the letters. There's the little macaronis. There's penne. There's all this stuff. And uh, nobody could figure out why it was there. Now, since then, the updates have come in that this is in the Old Bridge, New Jersey, near the River Basin, where hundreds of pounds of cooked pasta were dumped. Now, the update is it was not cooked pasta that was dumped it just rained a lot (laughs) (laughs) and it turns out like there's some guy because they've been they've really been trying to figure out how all of this pasta got there there's only 66,000 people that live in this town and every single one of them has visited the 500 pound mess of pasta (laughs) think about that that's a lot of pasta so what they're saying it was um, a guy was putting his mother in a uh, retirement community and was going to her house. And this is all alleged. Um, she was a hoarder and had all of this pasta in her house. And so he just took it out in the woods and dumped it. Why would you do that? Because it's biodegradable, public- right? <laughs> well, they're also saying it's because. Um, the waste and recycling services in the area are terrible. Like they don't really have like a bulk trash pickup for this town. And so maybe that's why he did it. Or maybe it was a statement or maybe it wasn't him at all. Nobody knows. There's 500 pounds of pasta in the woods. Okay. And do that what you will. The fattest squirrels in the United States are now in that town. In New oh, apparently it's just like, like they did clean it up. But it was like mag. I was like as gross as you could imagine. Heaps of pasta sitting in the woods could be. Okay, it's gross. I'm gonna tell this story not because it's that weird, but it is sort of weird, and it's in my mom's neighborhood. 
You don't like it when your mother's town is sent to you during a weird news because Florida deputies in Palatka, they said Putnam County. And I was like, oh, God, that's, that's Palatka, where my right? Lives. That's Palatka, Florida, yep. right there. Not East Palatka, where she used to live. Now she lives in Palatka. And Florida deputies were responding to a 911 call about a fight in progress in a residential neighborhood, which very well could be my mother's neighborhood. There's not a whole lot of pictures of it. But what there are pictures of is the um, ones who were fighting. God, I hate when people try to write puns in the stories. The subs... The suspects were mad at one another and the fight escalated and they were both hard headed and they were separated and wrangled in. They were goats, like two male goats got out and like had a brawl in the street and somebody called the police because it sounded like a big fight. It'd be Palatka. Like you call the sheriff and the sheriff has come out. That's and there's gonna be two the first thing he's goats. done all week. <laughs> Palatka's no, pretty small. Shockingly, that is not the first thing they do in Palatka. You got it. Okay. No, but anyway. Um, so, yes, my mother's town. So, anyway, that was the story. Just goats fighting. Did they taste them? How did they? <laughs> like... uh, they said they were able to separate, wrangle them, and bring them into the Putnam, Putnam County Jail. Come on. <laughs> and then the sheriff's office said deputies were later able to make contact with the owner of the escaped goats. <laughs> escaped goats. Oh, God, I get it. I hate this story. I'm moving on. <laughs> It's, a, it's it's like the next three stories are so great. I don't know what to do first. Let's let's start with the story in Australia. All right. So this woman, people are dumb. Forty eight year old woman, and she decides to go on a drive, and she was planning a short day trip in the middle of nowhere, Australia. So she took some snacks and lollies, but no water. The only liquid she took with her was she was going to her mother's house at night and she had a bottle of wine. She doesn't drink, but she had a bottle of wine. So what is um, this woman, Lillian, she decides to go for a drive and makes a wrong turn. And she's in the dense bushland of Australia. And she just goes down. A There's a lot of stupid involved in this story, but I, they didn't really get to the bottom of that. This one has more questions than answers. So she runs, goes off the road, makes a wrong turn, and gets bogged down in mud, okay? She is stuck there for five days. Apparently got down to like 30 degrees, and she had to turn. She had gas in her car, so she was able to keep the heat running so she didn't uh, freeze to death. And uh, uh, it was so, it's so stupid. So she was like, 50 miles from any town and there's no cell phone service and she didn't take any water out there and turns down a road gets stuck in the mud and the headline here's the headline woman survives five days on wine and lollipops in australia <laughs> bushland that's an australia story <laughs> so stupid <laughs> oh these next ones i don't i don't know what to start with this is the one I said was gross, but funny. I'm okay. ready. <laughs> so Tamara Fruman is a New York City dietitian, and she works in a gastroenterology practice. Oh, wait. No, that's not the Hold on. 
I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, this person, Tamara Torlaxon, she's a marathon runner. Okay. And marathon runners, that's what the last person I said, uh, the marathon runner is kind of trained to poop before they go to a race because apparently it's very jostling and it gives you the urge of wanting to go poop. Uh, so I know Tamara, I've run dozens of marathons and I have that problem all the time. Yeah, yeah. it's a constant nipple chafing and pooping. It's <laughs> yeah. like the worst. Uh, so um, she she does her business and she starts on in the race. Now, this is from Ohio, I think, uh, like basically up the coast of California. So she's running and she is running 26.2 miles and she's on track to beat her record. And she's like, she said, training was really going well. I knew I was in really good shape. And the race is from Ojai up to Ventura, west of LA. And this is her first postpartum race. And the first track, a uh, first half of the, the race, she's like, I'm on track to beat my record, a personal record. Not to get us, not anything special, just a personal record. But at mile 13, she realized nature was calling and she needed to go to the bathroom, Glenn. And this is something marathon runners do. They stop and they'll, I don't know, let it go on and, you know, get back up and keep running. Well, she didn't want to lose her physical or mental momentum by stopping. Oh, I don't want to hear the rest of the story. <laughs> I got the chickens ready. Uh. She said, I thought, I don't know if it's possible to poop while running, but I will try. This is all her quotes, by the way. I didn't want one poop to mess up beating my record. So without stopping, she relieved herself into the built-in underwear on her shorts. She said, I really had to focus. Marathoners don't judge. When she neared the finish line, all her oh, you're friends not done were yet? Well, to congratulate her. And she looks at everybody and she says, I pooped my pants! I am so she glad. She beat her record by a minute oh, 20 you're not seconds. Done yet? <laughs> Tell me when you're done. I'm done. Okay. She did say, if I'd have stopped at a porta potty, who knows what would happen? I wouldn't you be my record. You done. You lied. Uh, there you go. Who invented Wednesday? That one's gross. This one might be the weirdest one. Okay. One more. That's all I can handle. <laughs> and the, the great news is there's a fantastic mug, mug shot. Oh. So this happened in Nashville, Tennessee at a Hilton. A Hilton hotel manager was arrested and charged on Friday for entering a guest's room. Now, this was not the first time he'd been in the guest room because I guess um, David Neal was called to the room. He's where he's a manager at the Hilton Hotel on 121 4th Avenue South. So um, they had to go into this person's room because there was an issue with the television, okay? Um, so he fixed the TV, was with another guy, and then, then left. And... Um, He's been charged with aggravated burglary and assault for entering a male guest's room in the middle of the night on March 30th. 
this male guest woke up to David Neal sucking on his toes. <laughs> I need to go on vacation. <laughs> Neil is the night manager, made a key card to the guest room. The the guy wakes up to see this guy sucking on his toes, recognize him. He's like, hey, you're the guy who's fixing my TV yesterday. And Neil says, I smelled smoking here. And I was checking on you as you're <laughs> sucking on somebody's toes. So, um, uh, yeah, he was arrested at home and is currently on uh, in jail to be okay, released on $27,000 bond. You're in jail with Bubba and you got to tell him why you were arrested? Dig it. Mm. You all about it. Not Can't good. Not good. Not good. Dude, good. If, if I woke up and there was some man in my bedroom and he was sucking on my toes, the first thing would be a heel in his throat. Right, exactly. Like, cool. <laughs> all that kickboxing would come in handy. <laughs> Yeah. I All right, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. I can keep going. I no. got so many more stories. I told you that Laureen, April, Laurie, no. <laughs> Stephanie, Monica, Clark, Sandy, Glenn, Allison, Aaron, Gemma, and Amanda all sent me stories. I have plenty more. I have Do a dumbass creep body? story that a bunch of listeners sent me. I get all the cruise stories now because I, you started that, by the way. When there's ever there's a bad cruise story, everybody sends it to me now because I run horse lovers cruise. So we get this story from about a guy in Orlando, of all things, who went on a cruise in Royal Caribbean and planted a camera in one of the bathrooms, in public bathrooms. Uh, well, somebody discovered the camera about, uh, um, well, it wasn't even a couple weeks later, they discovered the camera, and they brought it to the ship's, you know, police people, and the ship's police people looked at it. Well, apparently the dumbass, when he set up the camera, caught his own face setting up the camera. And when you go on a cruise, you give your picture, and it's on your card, and so they see your face, and all they had to do was match the face. Needless to say, he was arrested. <laughs> on his own face on the camera. <laughs> See, the reason people send you this is because they're like, can we just do a meetup not on a cruise? Uh, we're I doing mean, one do of those and you can go to boat? California and we still have tickets left. So. June 16th through the 18th. Thank yeah. you for the segue. Uh, yeah. Flag is up farm. Glenn's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Jared Rogers is going to be there. Lots of awesome people are going to be there. Learn all about horses and how they, you know, how we're going to be training all sorts of horses. You can watch Monty in action, me in action. You can watch Glenn eating things. I, it'll be awesome. I'm in charge of eating. That is correct. That's my whole duty. This will be the first time and last time in history that Jamie and I and Jared will be in one place. For, I don't know if it'll be the last. Don't say that, but well, it will definitely I mean, be the I'm first. I'm trying to sell tickets. So. Oh, the last time I'll ever see. Glenn. Don't say that. It could be like no. I meant Jared. You know, the three yourself. of us together. That's it. Is be the first time and probably the last. I can't think of another time we'd get together. So you want to get your tickets? It's a one-time event. Uh -huh. Perfect. On, order your tickets. Well, auditors, I have no idea after today what's in store for you, but you might want to hold on. We have a post show. <laughs> I don't know what that was the best show we ever did or the worst. I'm not sure. I'm going to go with the latter. <laughs> I mean, entertain me. It's the worst for me. 